Hi, welcome to this edition of Theology Thursday. Uh, this topic has a special place in my heart because um, I had, in my first year at college, I had an interesting uh, conversation about how are the saints of the Old Testament saved? Uh, I had this conversation in Cambodia, of all places, on a mission trip, sitting next to a Buddhist monk. And uh, this particular Buddhist monk uh, was really uncomfortable around women. They tried to separate themselves from women. And I was sitting next to him, talking to him about the gospel, telling him how Jesus has come to die on the cross to bring forgiveness of our sins. He was resurrected. I was giving him the gospel. Uh, and at that point in my life, I, I wasn't committed to the ministry, and I was very committed to, uh, to my church, and I loved the Lord. But I'm sorry to say I wasn't very uh, thoughtful about my faith at that point. And so as I'm talking to this Buddhist monk about Jesus, um, one of the female missionaries on our team came and sat next to us. And you could tell right then that the Buddhist monk got really uncomfortable and he kind of clammed up. And I thought, in all my pride and arrogance, I thought, oh, great, lady, I've got this covered. This guy was probably going to be saved and I'm the next Billy Graham and all that good stuff. In my mind, I'm thinking this, and I'm really frustrated. And then the next question out of his mouth after hearing the gospel was this. Well, what happened to everybody before Jesus came? What happened to everybody in the Old Testament? How can they be saved? And I didn't have an answer. My brain, you know that feeling? My brain just crinkled up. And I didn't know what to say. And in God's providence, that gal who sat next to us had the perfect response. She knew her stuff. She is a bright, bright, bright believer. And she said, well, Old Testament saints are saved by forward-looking faith. As we are saved with by looking backward to the cross, they are saved by looking to the cross, forward to the cross. I was so happy that she was there. Uh, what a cool experience. So this question today, how are Old Testament saints saved? A uh, very special place in my heart. Maybe something you haven't thought about a lot. I think a lot of us maybe uh, haven't really dove into that. Uh, but we're going to today. And so when we're talking about our salvation, we're going to ask uh, five questions, four and a half questions. We're going to ask, we're going to ask, when we talk about our salvation, by what standard are we saved? This is the question that says, what are the rules of the game? What laws are we under? If you're going to go play basketball, you want to know the rules. You want to know how this whole thing is going to work. So by what standard, by what rules are we going to play this game? Then we're going to ask, through what? So if these are the rules, through what are we saved? And then this question is 2.5. It's kind of a clarifying question on that. Through what and in what? And then by what means are we saved? So we have the rules of the game. Through what are we saved? And then by what means? So what we bring to the table is through what? Through what are we responsible for? And then by what means? When we come to salvation through this, what mechanism does God use to bring us to salvation? And then finally, when we are saved, to what fate? Are we saved too? And we're going to take a look at all these questions through the lens of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament, if you have your Bibles, are, is Genesis through Malachi. It's the first part of the Bible. It's, it's 
0 AD, if that's when Jesus was born, it goes all the way back to creation. That is the Old Testament. What is the old, how does the Old Testament answer these questions? Is it different? Are they saved under different rules? Through something different? Do they bring something different to the table? Do they have a different fate than we do? How does that work? And then, but we're going to start, not in then, we're going to start with the New Testament. This is Matthew through Revelation, the last part of your Bible. Uh, 0 AD, so at the birth of Christ, onward. What does the New Testament say? And that's where we're going to start. Because if you're, if you're watching this video, um, my guess is, if you're watching a Theology Thursday video, you probably have some church background. You're interested in your faith. You're looking to grow in your faith. And so that's why you're here. So I'm guessing that, uh, that we know maybe uh, the answers to these questions that are not going to be too controversial. Uh, now, if you don't have a church background, I'm super glad you're here. This is great, uh, a great addition for you to jump into where we talk all about salvation. We're glad you're here too. Uh, but let's start with the end of the story. Let's start with what we probably are a little bit more familiar with, what the New Testament says about our faith. So when we come, when we open our Bibles to Matthew through Revelation, what, what are the rules that we're playing with? What are, what are the, what's, the, what's the law, what's the standard in which we are, we are playing when we talk about salvation? Well, it's so nice to be a New Testament believer. So we live this way, don't we? We live about right here. We're over here. We're New Testament believers. It's really nice to be New Testament believers because we have really, uh, we have the New Testament in our Bibles, which, is, which clarifies so many of these questions in very succinct ways like this. The New Testament says this about our salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. If you don't have this one memorized, memorize it. It is so important to our faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, 8 and 9 says this about our salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So what are the rules of the game? How, what are we saved under? We are saved under grace. Okay? We are saved under grace. That is the rules under which our salvation plays out. Grace. Not works. Okay? So, working hard at being uh, a godly person is not the rules under which we play. That's not the rules under which we, we attain salvation. How about uh, maybe being nice, being really nice. If you're a really nice and kind person, maybe kindness. No, kindness is not the rules of the game. Maybe it's law. No, it's not the law. Some people might think you're saved by political party. That's the rules. If you vote for the right guy, then you obviously are saved. Maybe it's X, Y, and Z. No, it is grace. And so if that's the rule of the game, if that's how God has decided to bring salvation to us, by grace. What is grace? A.W. Tozer says it this way, and I think it's really, really important. Uh, A.W. Tozer says, grace is the good pleasure, good pleasure of God, that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. So grace is the good pleasure of God to give blessings to the undeserving. 
That's the, that's the rules of the game when it comes to salvation. God's pleasure to give blessings to the undeserving. We say it like this uh, at my house. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. So when my girls uh, are misbehaving and I give them a treat anyway, that's grace. It's a pleasure to give to someone who is undeserving. It is by grace you have been saved. Probably on board with that. Now, by grace through what? What do we bring to the table? What do we bring to the table? By grace, said it there, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By grace through what? Through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. You see how these go hand in hand? Grace to the undeserving by faith and not what? Not a result of works. Again, we see works. We're not saved by grace through works. Because that doesn't make sense. Because grace is to the undeserving. And so we are saved by what? Faith. Faith is trusting in God. It is believing in God. When I'm teaching my girls, we're actually memorizing this verse here, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But for by grace you've been saved through faith. This not of yourselves is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And so we've tried to take it apart and say, what does this actually mean? Grace, undeserved gift, right? It's an undeserved blessing from God, salvation is. And when we talk about faith, how do we explain what faith is? Trust, trusting. And so I had my, my three-year-old and my five-year-old stand up on the couch, and I told them to do a trust fall. You remember these? Where you go like this, and you fall back, you try to keep your legs straight, and somebody catches you. That's a display of trust. That's what faith is. Faith is saying, God, I can't save myself. My eternity is at stake. I know my sins have put me under your wrath, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And as we fall back into God's arms, He saves us. He catches us. He's there for us. So the rules of the game is grace. We bring faith to the table. Faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in, in my faith? Maybe I say, okay, well, if I have a lot of faith, uh, I, I, I trust my faith to save me. No, it's not faith in my faith. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's a prayer in the New Testament. No, not by faith in my faith. Not by faith in my works. Not by faith in my church. Well, as long as I'm a member of, of Trinity Baptist Church, then I'm sure they'll get me there. Not by faith in my family. Well, my dad's a preacher, so I'm sure God would let me in. No, not by faith in anything. Faith in God. Belief in God. Trusting in God. You gotta fall, you gotta fall back on God. You gotta, you gotta have faith in Him. You gotta trust Him. Um, Jesus says this way, Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. John 14, 1 through 3, Jesus says it again. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Through faith in what? In whom? In God. God, and then by what means? This is the, this is the, the law, the rules of the game, by grace, uh, blessings to those who don't deserve it, through faith, we access salvation through faith, in God, by what means has God saved us? 
He has saved us by the cross. The cross is the means by which, is the mechanism by which, God has saved those who have faith in Him. The cross is a display of the grace of God to the faithful. That's what the cross is. So we see that, obviously, so many places in the New Testament. We see that. Uh, but let's read this clearly right here in Romans 5, 6-9. For while we were still weak, right? Not by works, not by... We put strength up here. Not by strength. We, when we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Somebody might die for a really, really righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die for a good person. But God shows His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, being declared righteous by His blood, much more shall we be saved. Shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. What has saved us from the wrath of God? What has saved us from the punishment due our sin? What has saved us for heaven, for the new heaven and the new earth? What has saved us from that? Jesus dying for sinners. The rules of the game, what we bring to the table, faith in God, what mechanism does God use to save the faithful by grace? He uses the cross. To what fate? What are we saved to? Our fate as believers is resurrection and new earth. Now, something that I believed as a kid and probably a teenager, I uh, didn't discover till later in my faith, is your ultimate destiny, Christian, is not heaven. Is that a little shocking, maybe? It was shocking to me. It's not heaven. Heaven, if you were to die right now, Christian, you would go be with God, and it would be fabulous. It would be mind-blowing. It would be so great. But your ultimate destiny is to be bodily resurrected, just like Jesus was, to walk on the earth with God in the new heaven and new earth. It's our destiny. For God so loved the world, He redeems the world. He is for the world. Your destiny is not to sit on some harp as, as, as a spirit or as an angel. We don't turn into angels anyway. As, as, that's not your ultimate destiny, to be strumming a harp forever. No, we're going to be here, walking with God, just as He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Isn't that awesome? Oh, it gets me excited talking about it. So, where does this come from? So first, we are going to be resurrected. You're going to, Christian, if you died today, you'll be with God in heaven and it'll be fabulous. But there will become a time where Jesus comes back, raises the, all the dead, uh, the, the, uh, the unfaithful to hell, the faithful to heaven. Now, where do we get that? Acts 24, 15 says this, Having hope in God which these men themselves accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Do not marvel at this, John 5, 28 and 29. 
For the hour is coming, Jesus says, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Remember talking about that? Maybe if you were with us on Easter, we talked about that. And they will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those that have done evil. Those that have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And then where will we be raised to? 2 Peter 3, 12-13 says, The heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And then Revelation 21.1, John's vision of the end times Revelation 21, he says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. So, we probably agree on all of this. I hope you do. These are main and plain things. Uh, this one might be a little bit, uh, maybe you haven't heard that one before, but this is what we have to look forward to, and it's going to be awesome. Now, what about the Old Testament? What about the Old Testament? How does that look? What's the differences? Is there a difference here? Is there a difference here? Well, by what standard? So I know that the Old Testament had a lot of things about the law and about sacrifices. Uh, maybe that's, maybe is, is the law, is the law the standard? Are sacrifices standard? No, they're not the standard. They're not the rules. No, the law is not the standard. It's not the rules. What are the rules they play by? What are the rules that God brings salvation in the Old Testament? It's the same thing. Grace. The Old Testament saints that we read about were saved by free gift of God. Saved by grace. It's really everywhere. It's really everywhere. We see it uh, just about from the very beginning. We see Noah. So, so, so grace is unmerited favor, okay? Like you say, uh, do me a favor. What are you, what are you saying? Give him, show me unmerited grace. Do something for me that, that I don't deserve for you to do or that you're not required to do. So grace is unmerited favor. Noah, Noah's story shows us grace in this. The Lord saw that the, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that everything about this, every intention of his heart was only evil continually. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Undeserved, unearned, God's wrath was going to fall on the world in the shape of a flood that was going to wipe out many, 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 many people. And in God's grace, in His favor, unmerited favor, He plucks Noah and his family out to avoid his wrath. What does that sound like? That sounds like sounds like this over here. That the wrath of God is being poured out against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, Romans 1.18. But in the cross of Christ, the faithful 
have been plucked out by his grace through faith to avoid the wrath of God. It's the same thing. It's the same story. There's one story of redemption. We see it in Abraham. And the Lord appeared to him as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked. Abraham did. And behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent to door to meet him and bowed himself to the earth and said, O oh Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. And the Lord came and met with him. Favor, grace. Abraham runs to the Lord and says, I know I don't deserve this, but come be with me. What does that sound like? Sounds like the New Testament. We have Moses. He says, talking to the Lord, yet you, God, have said, I know you by name, Moses, and you have also found favor in my sight. Why does Moses lead the people out of Egypt? Is it because Moses is a great speaker? No, we know he's not. Is he a great leader? No, we know he's not. Is, he, is, is there blood on his hands? Is he a murderer? Yes, he's a murderer. He's out tending sheep somewhere. He is totally unqualified to be chosen by God, and yet God's grace and his favor chose Moses. Totally, total gift, total unmerited. And Exodus 34, 9 says it this way, and he said, Moses said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. What does that sound like? If I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, come and walk among us and pardon our sins and our iniquities and take us as your inheritance. What does that sound like? That sounds like this over here. That sounds like that over there. Gideon, you remember Gideon's story? Gideon says, If now I have found favor in your eyes, O Lord, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. And the Lord shows him a sign. We see my favorite example. We see Jonah. You remember Jonah's story? We see Jonah. God calls Jonah to go and prophesy in Nineveh. Nineveh was the worst place in the world for a Jew to be. The Ninevites were war criminals. Uh, they had done terrible things all around the world and terrible things to Israel. It'd be like God telling you to go find the Taliban and prophesy to them. You don't want to do that. You got something deep in your heart that you don't like those people. They've done terrible things. That kind of, that kind of cultural understanding of the Ninevites. And so what does Jonah do? He, he hears that from God and he gets up and he runs away as far as he can get from Nineveh. God sends a great fish to scoop him up, spit him out at Nineveh. Jonah goes and preaches. And what happens? The Ninevites repent. And God's wrath is turned away. And then what does Jonah say? Jonah says this. God's turning away his wrath. And this is Jonah 4.1. But it displeased, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love 
and relenting from disaster. The whole story of Jonah kicks off and is in the Bible and is this exciting story because Jonah knows that God plays by this rule book. If Jonah thought God played by the rule of law, Nineveh was going to be wiped out. Jonah would have been like, yeah, send me to tell him you're going to wipe him off the planet. But Jonah knew the rule book that God uses to play with sinners. He chooses to use grace for sinners. Now, what are we saved through in the Old Testament. I know there are sacrifices. I know there's the law. I know all these things are true. Maybe it's works. There's a lot of laws, a lot of works. Nope, it's not works. Maybe it's DNA, right? Maybe we know that if you are born into Israel, um, maybe then you can be saved. Maybe that's DNA. Nope, it's not DNA. What are they saved through? Faith. They are saved, just like us, by grace through faith. And he brought him, Abraham, outside and said, Abraham, look toward the heavens and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And you ready for this? This is in Genesis. It's in the beginning of the book. And he believed the Lord, and he, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 5 through 6. And then Paul in the New Testament hits on this point because a lot of people are confused about this in the Old Testament. Paul says, no, they weren't saved by works. They weren't saved by DNA. They were saved by faith. And he uses Abraham as his example. And he says this, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to his works of the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but what is due. Did you catch that part? So if this is works, then grace has no part of it, because grace is a free gift. But Paul says, no, it is by faith, because it is under works, because God, we are saved by grace. And the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, has fit, his faith is counted as righteousness. And Paul brings in David, King David in the Old Testament. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. He says, David says in, in the Psalms, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Your sins, Christian, are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So, just like us, they were saved by grace, through faith, through faith in what? Or through faith in whom? Through faith in their sacrifices or their works? No, just like us, through faith in God. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. By faith, Hebrews eleven seven. 7, by faith, Noah, 
being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. What did Noah believe in? Noah believed in the promises of God. Believed in God. Had faith in God. Now, by what means? This is the rule book they're playing under. By grace, through faith, in God, by what mechanism? The New Testament says the cross. Is it different in the Old Testament? No. They are saved by grace through faith in a God who provides salvation through the cross. Not faith in my faith. Not faith in karma. Not faith in works. Faith in the God who provides the cross of Christ. So, this is the one that gets maybe a little confusing, but this is, this is how I think it works. The death of Jesus is the mechanism of salvation for everyone in the... All who are saved in the past, present, and future. The death of Christ... This is how it works for us. The death of Christ in the past... In the past is applied to me through my faith in the future. Do you see this? So we look to the past, we look to the cross 2,000 years ago, that God is playing by these rules, playing by grace. Through faith, He brings salvation. And by what means? The cross of Christ. We were doing that in the past. Now those who were in the past did the same thing. Only they look to... The future. They have faith in God in the past, and the cross of Christ that's coming in the future has been applied to them. That's the mechanism by which they are saved by grace, through faith, in the God who will provide the cross. So the death of Christ in the past is applied to us in the future. And in the same way, the death of Christ in their future is applied to them in the past. But it is still applied to all by grace through faith. But now, so now New Testament believers, now we, the, the, the Old Testament was looking forward to Christ and it was shadowy and they, they knew they had a messianic hope that something good was coming and, and will, God will provide a way of salvation for them in the future. They had that. Uh, but now that Jesus is here, we must have faith in the person of Jesus Christ. He has been revealed to us in Scripture that it is Jesus that they were waiting on. And so now we must have faith in Christ. So the idea is, the idea is back here in the Old Testament, they're looking forward to the cross. And it is, it is a shadowy salvation. Not meaning like, like uh, evil or anything like that by any means, but shadowy as in we're, we're only sure about the outline of what's coming. Like a shadow. I see a shadow on a wall, and I can see a person's head and his shoulders and his hands, but I don't know all the details there. And so we see things like Genesis 3.15. This shadow, this, this Messiah, this guy who is coming to save us, he will crush the head of Satan. Genesis 3.15. We see that. How exactly will that work? He's coming. I don't know. We see it now, don't we? We see the cross. 
That's how Jesus crushed the head of Satan. We see Job. Job says it this way. I love this. He gives, he gives more a picture to the shadow. He sees the shadow and he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at, la at the last He will stand upon the earth. My Redeemer will lift me up and save me, and He will be standing on the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh, resurrection, I shall see God. We see Isaiah 53 seeing the shadow of Jesus, and he says this, He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brings me peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. More, 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 uh, more detail in the shadow there. That's what that looks like. Then Isaiah says this in 714, he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 714. We're getting more detail in the shadow. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up for David. He's in the family of David, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king. Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. So the stump of Jesse, Israel has been cut down, and from that stump, a shoot comes up. It's going to be a, a shoot. That shoot is Jesus, and from his branch, from his roots, he shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord, so I see the shadow, the Spirit of the Lord will be on this Messiah. And he will bring righteousness to the poor. And he will bring a kingdom in which the wolf will lie down with the lamb. And so, so by what means were they saved in the Old Testament? By the cross. And we, where we see it clear as day, they see shadow. How great is it to be a New Testament believer? What about those animal sacrifices? What about, what were they about? Well, the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament did have a spiritual significance and was important for Israel. They had special benefits to Israel. However, they never were going to bring salvation. They were never going to bring salvation. The sacrifices of the Old Testament were primarily about evidence of faith in God. Just like us. Christian, why do you do good things? Why do you seek to be Christ-like? Do you do it to be saved? No, you're not saved. You're not saved either of these. You're not saved by works, by being good. What, are, what is being a good person for a Christian? As evidence of your faith in God. The same is true for Israel. Evidence of a faith in God is bringing sacrifice to the temple. That's evidence of your faith. We see that in Hebrews 10. He says this, For since the law, so the law, so the Old Testament, the things that we are supposed to do in the Old Testament to show our faith in God, the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. Instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, the law can never, 
by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year can never make perfect those who draw near. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's in Hebrews. That's in the Bible. When they brought the sacrifices to the temple, it's impossible for them, for those sacrifices, for the blood that was spilled there to cover sins. That's why they had to do it every single year. It was a reminder of their sinfulness, that they needed God's grace and mercy. That's what it was, year after year after year. Think about how tiring that is. Think about the priests that had to give those sacrifices. All day long, hundreds of thousands of animals being slaughtered all day. Up and they'd take the, be fighting the animals and slam them down and slit their throat and the blood and gore would go everywhere. It's a nasty job showing us how nasty sin is. It's a terrible thing. Up and down, up and down all day, those poor, poor priests. And then Hebrews 10 picks it up like this in verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service. Up, slam it, cut it, all the nastiness coming all over the place. And the priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of, the, of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering... He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So in the Old Testament, uh, so I'm taking my kids to the temple every single year. and We're seeing those poor priests must be getting blood and gore and being so tired up and down, up and down, up and down. And then I hear about the Messiah coming. And then it's a shadowy figure back in the Old Testament. But now we see Jesus in 3D and we see those sacrifices that were given all the time, up and down, up and down. But Jesus arrived with one sacrifice himself on the cross and his blood covers sin once for all and the priests are up and down, up and down, up and down. Jesus offers one sacrifice and Hebrews says now he is seated. It's done. He has perfected for all time. He has perfected, did you catch that? For all time. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. He has provided the mechanism, the means, for those by grace, through faith in God, will be saved. Just like us. Just like them. So to what fate? To what fate? Same thing. Resurrection and new earth. We have this day of the same fate that we are looking forward to ourselves. Isaiah 26, 19. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. Daniel 12, 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. New earth. For behold, Isaiah 65, 17, I create new heavens and a new earth.
Isaiah 66, 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. So, does God have a different playbook for different times? No. Did God need to provide a different mechanism for salvation? Was Jesus' was Jesus's death just good enough for half of humanity? No, it was good for all who call upon his name. Are we, are we under faith and were they under works? No, they were all under, we were all under faith. We have faith in our faith or faith in our church or faith in our people of Israel. No, we have faith in God. And what is our ultimate destiny? To dwell with God on the earth, to enjoy Him forever, to enjoy His creation forever, to glorify His name by, by enjoying the Creator of the universe in His creation, walking with Him for all eternity. And all who call on the name of the Lord will enjoy this. So, I hope this has clarified a few things. I hope this has given you uh, clarity on salvation as a whole. And maybe this helps you answer this question that, that maybe you've never had. Maybe it just sprung up in this uh, as we uh, broached this, the topic at the beginning. Or, or maybe you've brought this, this has brought up questions before. I hope this kind of clarifies things that we are saved from, all, from the beginning of time. If anyone is saved, it is by grace, free gift, unmerited favor, through faith, belief, and trusting in God as he provides the cross of Christ that they saw in shadow and we now see clearly in Jesus for a fate together, resurrection, and new earth. Thank you for spending time with me. We love you. If you have a topic that, hit, that piques your interest, comment below. We love you. We'll see you next time.